And with today, 2023 is 53.2% complete. That's the sort of thing that this particular town crier loves to proclaim, and someone out there has proclaimed July 10th as International Town Crier's Day. That's the name I came up with three years ago when I launched a business to report as much as I can about what's happening in the community I call home, even if I technically don't live in a town. Either way, I'm Sean Tubbs. Hear ye, oh yays, and all of that. On today's program, detection of low levels of PFAS has led to a shutdown of a water treatment plant in Albemarle County. There's a hearing in Albemarle County on Wednesday to throw out the indictment made against a man lynched 125 years ago this week. A drought advisory has been lifted that affected Greene County, and the Albemarle Planning Commission reviews a memo intended to suggest how cell tower restrictions could be lifted to boost signal coverage. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Jazz Society at seavillejazz.org is dedicated to the promotion, preservation, and perpetuation of all that jazz. Want to set up your week and make sure it's going to have some music in it? Check out the schedule at seavillejazz.org. There is a list in the newsletter of various things coming up this week straight from the calendar. Take a look and thank you, seavillejazz.org. The government organization that turns raw liquid from the ecosystem into safe drinking water for Albemarle and Charlottesville has halted production at one of its plants after detecting the presence of what's become known as forever chemicals. The Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority has temporarily stopped using the North Rivanna Water Treatment Plant after tests indicated low levels of PFOS. That's a name given to a whole class of per- and polyfluorinated alkyl substances used in thousands of commercial products that do not break down. Here is something that comes from the website on PFAS, operated by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Because of their widespread use and their persistence in the environment, many PFAS are found in the blood of people and animals all over the world, and are present at low levels in a variety of food products and in the environment. The EPA does not currently have standards on PFAS, but there is a requirement in the Safe Drinking Water Act that municipal water producers monitor unregulated contaminants that present health risks. As such, RWSA took water samples in May for all six of their water treatment plants. Here's a section from a press release sent out last Thursday. Two PFOS compounds, perfluorooctonaic acid and perfluorooctanosulfonic acid, were detected in water produced by the NRWTP. PFOA was detected at 25 parts per trillion, and PFOS was detected at 6.5 parts per trillion. No PFOS was detected at the five other plants. Bill Moyer is the executive director of the RWSA. He said that the step has been taken as a precaution to ensure that they are providing the highest quality drinking water for the community. He said they continue to use a multi-barrier treatment process, including the use of granular activated carbon as a filtering system that removes undesirable substances from the drinking water produced by the RWSA. For more information on the potential health risks of PFOS and further research, visit the Virginia Department of Health's website on the topic. 
On July 12, 1898, a crowd of armed men intercepted John Henry James as he was on his way from Stanton to face charges of sexual assault in Albemarle County. James was removed from the train at Woods Crossing, hung from a tree, and shot dozens of times. As James was being murdered, a grand jury was meeting in Albemarle Circuit Court and learned that he had been lynched. The grand jury posthumously indicted him anyway. On Wednesday, Albemarle County Commonwealth's attorney Jim Hingley will present a motion to Judge Cheryl Higgins that seeks to dismiss that indictment. Here's paragraph 7 of the motion. The indictment presented in these circumstances should be without legal effect. Nevertheless, the indictment has remained in the court record, where it stands as an official, but wholly unjust, accusation of John Henry James. The motion goes on to state that both the Commonwealth's attorney at the time, as well as Sheriff Lucien Watts, failed to provide a fair trial for James, and that Watts had been present at the lynching. Here's paragraph 10. The perpetrators of this racial terror lynching acted with impunity because they knew that Albemarle County authorities would not hold them accountable. The hearing is scheduled for 4 p.m. on Wednesday and is part of the Community Remembrance Project being conducted by the Equal Justice Initiative. The state agency that monitors groundwater conditions to determine if they are running out has lifted an advisory that covered both Greene County and Louisa County. On June 9th, the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality issued a drought watch advisory for the northern Piedmont region. However, here's a section from a press release sent out late last week. Conditions have improved throughout much of the Commonwealth, although an advisory remains in effect for the Eastern Shore and Shenandoah drought evaluation regions. The Shenandoah region includes Augusta and Rockingham counties. There's an advisory in place still for the Eastern Shore. The advisory for the Northern Piedmont was issued according to the DEQ's Drought Assessment and Response Plan. It was lifted due to several factors. For one, rainfall has been above normal for the past two and a half weeks. Stream flow conditions are also above a certain threshold, and water supply reservoirs are full. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement. While we may be in the hot and hazy days of summer, the friends of the Jefferson Madison Regional Library are already looking ahead to their fall book sale. Twice a year, the group holds the event to help raise funds to keep the library system going. The book sale urgently needs your donations. Now is the time to clean out that bookcase, garage, basement, garret, storage locker, or closet and bring everything you find down to the basement of the Gordon Avenue branch. Friends of the JMRL want to make the fall book sale the best ever, and they're counting on you for inventory to help them do even better than the 14900000 dollars raised this past spring. Visit the JMRL Friends website to learn more. Thank you to the JMRL Friends for this shout-out. One big story to go today. For decades, Albemarle's comprehensive plan has put a premium on visual aesthetics when considering what to do with the land. There's a current conversation underway about the impact of utility-scale solar operations will have on the landscape. And for many years, there's been a call from some members of the Board of Supervisors to revisit rules that govern how cell towers can be built in order to increase wireless communications for voice and data across the county. Since 2000, Albemarle's rules have been clear that tall towers are discouraged. 
and those that are built must be concealed to the fullest extent possible. To Neil Williamson of the Free Enterprise Forum, that's the primary reason why many community members complain of dead zones where they cannot get cell service. These poorly named dead zones are the indirect result of Albemarle County's outdated wireless technology ordinance. Interestingly, the existing wireless policy itself dates back to about 1998. That was the same year Google was founded, and long before it was a verb. Williamson spoke at a June 13th work session of the Albemarle County Planning Commission, held to learn more about a recent memo written by consultants to review the 2000 policy. Susan Raybold is a project manager with Cityscape Consultants, one of the authors of a memo on suggestions that would eliminate the primary role that aesthetics play in governing their construction. She told the Planning Commission there are 164 existing towers and 25 base stations. She said her company has taken an inventory of the county, including where there is no service. And then we ask you the question, do you want to fill that area? And if the answer is yes, we have some some, some suggestions for your consideration. Other community members want the county to proceed cautiously and retain existing policies. Laura Good of the Whitehall District said she and many of her neighbors are concerned about the effects the proposed policies will have on their health and quality of life if more towers are built. She said the memo puts the industry's needs before those of county residents. We do recognize the desire for personal wireless service, but this need is not universal. Our area has recently gotten high-speed fiber optic in ground, which means that we do not have to rely on self-service solely for many internet-related communications. Let's get back to that report. Raybold said the work included a visit to all of the existing 189 locations to record data, and the work produced a map of where they are located. Many of these were originally built for older technology. The first, second, and third generation platforms have been retired. And so those networks that were built in that range are no longer provided. However, the industry does use that base platform for 4G. So they didn't have to go in and rebuild structure. They just changed out antennas and hardware and software in order to transition to 4G. Raybould said the new generations also require more infrastructure because smart devices require an increasing amount of bandwidth, and bandwidth is limited by the county's current rules. This code really does um, keep the visibility of the tower down significantly. The challenge from the treetop from an engineering perspective is that that propagation pattern cannot travel as far because the antenna is lower and it those trees are going to continue to grow. Raybould said other barriers are in the code as well. Visibility restrictions limit the amount of hardware that can be on the top of a tower, meaning that some equipment is placed on the ground instead. For instance, something called a remote radio head won't fit on top under Albemarle's rules. They can't put them behind the antenna, which is really ideal, because of the distance that you have. They can't exceed 18 inches from the back of the antenna to the pole. There's not enough room for them to mount the antenna and the radio head and have the coax and the other cables that go to those antenna to it can't fit there. So they have to mount them below. Raybould said that then limits the effectiveness of the signal by 30 percent. 
There are also limits to the size of the antennas allowed, which also reduces choices that the five wireless providers in Albemarle can make. Raybould provided many of these examples in her presentation. But let's go back to geography. Nearly 50% of the county is set aside in avoidance areas, including mountain protection areas, agricultural and forestal districts, and historic districts. That doesn't mean they're totally prohibited there, but there's an extra layer of regulation to go through. Same with any site within 200 feet of a scenic byway. During the public comment period, one Albemarle resident said he was concerned the memorandum sided with the industry at the expense of community members who don't want a landscape littered with towers. Here's John Foster, who lives in the Batesville Historic District. It's as if Verizon and AT&T crafted these recommendations specifically for their interests. I'm confident Albemarle County planning staff and elected officials heard the displeasure surrounding proposed cell towers in Batesville and Greenwood communities over the past few years. The community consensus in each case was decidedly opposed to new cell towers. During her presentation, Raybould said the memo is intended to be a set of suggestions to have a conversation about how Albemarle might choose to alter its rules to boost capacity. She said the draft would be updated. I want to apologize. I realized through the speakers that in the written part, we used the word recommendations in the analysis. I will change that to options. Those options include allow for increased height at existing facilities up to 130 feet. Raybould said this would increase coverage areas and distances. Allow for increased height at new towers to be constructed at 30 feet above the canopy. Allow for increased antenna sizes and to allow for more co-location. Encourage any future towers that will be built for public safety communications to plan for co-location with private providers. And allow more towers in avoidance areas. Planning commissioners had thoughts on the avoidance areas. Commissioner Lonnie Murray said the county's adoption of the Biodiversity Action Plan in 2019 showed a continued commitment to rural preservation. He urged continued prohibitions on towers on new mountaintop locations. Mountaintops are very sensitive biological areas because they're cooler. They tend to be refuges from warming temperatures. As we consider a climate action plan, it we would do a big disservice to biodiversity to cover our mountaintops with antennas. Murray said that for many years, Albemarle's comprehensive plan has included language that means that rural living comes with fewer services. Part of the deal of living in a rural area is that you have less service. Um, and, and that's, I'm okay with that. It's just like when I go hiking in the wilderness, I don't expect my cell phone to work. But Commissioner Nathan Moore said the county's existing restrictions are too constraining, and he would be in favor of loosening regulations. And when you go hiking in a wilderness, or when you go hiking on a nice trail, and, you know, your kid gets a sting, or you have an allergic reaction, or you fall and break your ankle, how are you going to get the word out? And so that's the kind of reason why I'm very in favor of, uh, um, as a, in principle, very in favor of better, broader coverage of, of cell service. Moore was supportive of paying attention to setbacks to make sure the towers can't be built too closely to neighboring structures. Commissioner Karen Firehawk said she would support allowing towers in ag forestal districts. Because I don't think a tower is a use that interferes with someone running their tractor or their cows or their sheep grazing. Commissioner Julian Biven said he was tired of historic properties being protected from having to see cell towers. He added that denying cell service to the rural areas penalizes people with low incomes who live there. There's a whole host of people there. There's plain old working people. 
there's a whole bunch of tradespeople over there that use their cell phones to get work, to do work, to tell whomever is in their lives that they're going to be late or not going to be late. The conversation was robust and worth viewing in detail. There's a link to the full video in the newsletter. A community open house will be held sometime this month, followed by public hearings in the fall before the Planning Commission and the Board of Supervisors. You have reached the end of episode 554. Does this edition of the program measure up to what you think a town crier would do? I am still planning for an expansion in the weeks and months to come, while still on a slightly reduced capacity now due to reasons that will one day be in my memoir. Until then, planning begins for the next episode, which goes by the not too daunting number of 555. Planning is among the tasks whose time is covered by paying subscribers to this newsletter. The easiest way to sign up if you'd like to support it is through Substack, but patronizing through Patreon is good too. That's the main way to help fund Town Crier Productions, the business I helped to create make all of this happen. You may know by now that Ting will match your Substack subscription, the initial payment, and if you sign up for a link in the newsletter, you enter the promo code community, you're going to get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. That's the end of this edition. Boys is out! Boys is out!